TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. The same way I felt about Josh Allen when he lost. You got to feel the same way about Lamar Jackson. And this tells me too, Patrick Mahomes ain't got no rival. He don't, he does not have one. It's Patrick Mahomes. And everybody else. And if you bring in anybody into the conversation, it's only Joe Burrow. Because right now, he's the only person in the AFC that has shown that he can slow his heartbeat down and compete against the great. That's Ryan Clark of ESPN. It, you know, it's kind of an easy take to have. Oh, the only guy that can top Patrick Mahomes is the guy that we've seen do it. Really, really going out on a limb there, Ryan. On we've only I can only predict what I've seen happen before. I mean, Burrow did it. Nobody else has done it. It's fair. Although Allen did it, that often will get forgotten because the Bills lost, and it will be forgotten for for all of time. Allen beat the Chiefs. The Bills didn't beat the Chiefs, but Josh Allen walked off that field in Arrowhead with 13 seconds to go with the lead. Allen beat the Chiefs. So we know he can do it. And if it, we're just talking quarterback, then you have to throw him in. If you want to talk organizations, you want to talk team, you can't say the Bills can. You could say the Bengals can and the Bills can't. And remember the Bengal game, so much of what worked in that game where they beat the Chiefs in the playoffs was their defense shut out Patrick Mahomes in the second half, Lou Anarumo and his game plan completely worked and neutralized a good Chiefs offense that still had Tyreek Hill on it, by the way. But if you're going to make it about the quarterbacks, well, then Allen's capable. We know Allen is capable. We have seen him do it. And that's where the blame game comes in. Okay, well, if we know Allen is good enough to do it. Why haven't they done it? In 13 seconds forever will be coaching. It'll be game management. It'll be, why were you 20 yards off on Tyreek Hill? Why did you let Kelsey have the middle of the field so they could get into field goal range? Why didn't you squib kick it? There's so many why, why, whys. Because it's unbelievable. Has anyone thought a lot about that game in the last week and a half, by the way? I mean, I I haven't really. But we've said that, that... The longer they go without winning, that game is going to be more and more talked about, more and more remembered, more and more, you know, blamed for why they haven't won yet. 
it's erased if they, of course, win the Super Bowl. If they beat the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl, I think it's also largely erased. Another reason it might have been diminished, of course, is when they lost to the Bengals last year. Because now the assumption that they would have beat the Bengals at home. I mean, this is now two home playoff games they've lost in a row. I don't know. Would they have beaten the Bengals? The Bengals beat the Chiefs on the road. They could have beaten the Bills in that AFC Championship game. 2020 is really the year you should look at for the closest they've been. They were the Browns. The Browns were five points away against a Chad Henney Chiefs team from coming to Buffalo for the AFC Championship game in 2020. And that's that's the game you want to look at. That would have made that would have meant what? That would have been a Bills Bucks Super Bowl. And why did the Chiefs lose that Super Bowl? Because they didn't have any healthy linemen. Maybe the Bills win that game. They would have won the COVID Super Bowl. Would that have made us happy though? Yes, yeah, the answer is yes, right? It just would have been like ridiculous. The one title they win is the one where there were 20,000 people there and nobody could go because it was COVID and just all that. I mean, that wouldn't have been the fun part. Revisiting our Brandon Bean poll from earlier. How much blame does the GM deserve? And most voters are split between the same amount as McDermott or less than McDermott. Very few only 8% say more than McDermott, and only a few more say that he doesn't deserve any blame at all. Two-way street, maybe a little bit less than Sean, but I I went through this earlier. I think he deserves blame in certain pockets and not in others. They are in a very precarious situation with the cap, and hey, that's the consequence of, I'm not even saying it's a bad move, but that's the consequence of going all out for a $100 million, 33-year-old defensive end. It's not all of it. They repaid Diggs. They signed Milano, which is great. I'm glad they did that too. But just, you know, eventually you have to pay for these guys. And now is the time that they're going to have to pay for these guys and really work to get under the cap and really work to make any sort of important acquisition during the offseason at all that's not the draft. The good news is the draft history looks a lot better today than it did a year ago because of the development, especially, I mean, really it's three guys for this. It's Terrell Bernard, it's Spencer Brown, and it's Khalil Shakir. Osiris Torrance? No, you're right too. Osiris Torrance, James Cook. Yeah, those guys are added in as well. That's like five names that you can rattle off. Kincaid even, too, because Kincaid, I mean, it's a weird fit still that they did that, but he's good. We just had Derek Tate on from Pro Football Network, who just came out with his dynasty fantasy football rankings, and so long-term rankings. He's got Dalton Kincaid number two in the league. Number two, only behind Sam Laporta. You know, coincidentally, was picked right after Dalton Kincaid in the draft, but... So far, Kincaid looks great. Torrance looks like a win as a pick. Cook looks like a win as a pick. He's at least productive. I know second-round running back. We can have that debate. But Shakir now is producing as a fifth-rounder, and you've got Spencer Brown 
Locked in is like a reliable right tackle, it looks like, for at least the time being. Bernard is a stud at middle linebacker. The good news is that while there might be some misses in free agency, the Bills' draft history does suddenly look a lot better. The Bills last year, free agency really is where, like, Bean said this in his end-of-season press conference, that every million dollars they spend, they've got to make it count. They've got to, because of their situation and how tight they are, they've got to maximize every even little veteran contract that they have. And I wonder if Bean had in his mind, while saying that, that we need to do better than we did last year. Last year, the free agent moves that they made. Let's look at them. 2023, the free agent moves that they made. Some were hits, some were misses. The cheap contracts, though, the ones Bean was talking about, a lot were misses. The big one they made in signing Leonard Floyd, big hit. Double-digit sacks was their most consistent pass rusher all year long. Big hit. Okay, but what about those cheaper guys that Bean's talking about, where we got to maximize it? Puna Ford, one-year deal, no impact. Had a sack in the Charger game, maybe. He was inactive more often than he was active. No impact whatsoever. How about Latavius Murray on a one-year deal? All right, he was a blocker, and that was about it. He was a leader in the locker room plus a blocker. Not much else. He was one of the least efficient goal line backs in football. He was not a good pass catching back, so didn't love that. Shaq Lawson, one-year deal. All right, run blocker. Run run stopper, I should say. A.J. Klein, one-year deal. That one was practice squad back and forth anyway, so I'm not going to judge him on that. How about Jordan Phillips on a one-year deal? He started a bunch of games. He was their he was their immediate backup when Dequan Jones got hurt. And a lot of the advanced numbers show that Jordan Phillips really struggled this year. Pass rush, he still got a little bit of juice, but so ineffectual in the run game. He was one of Pro Football Focus's lowest rated defensive tackles in the league this season. How about Taylor Rapp on a one-year deal? Not bad. Might have hoped for a little bit more. I was excited about that signing when they made it. He was okay. Fine. How about David Edwards? Line depth. Not going to judge it one way or the other. He ended up being like their 12 personnel tight end guy. Um, But luckily for him, or more so luckily for the Bills, they never had to test whether David Edwards would be a good signing because he never had to play. Damian Harris, one-year deal, neck injury. Don't worry about it. You, You weren't able to judge that. The two receivers. Trent Sherfield, one-year deal. Deontay Hardy, two-year deal that included guaranteed money. Those are the misses. I liked those ideas at the time. Trent Sherfield was coming off a year where he outright won a starting job with the Miami Dolphins and was fine. 500 yards, a couple of big plays. Hardy was coming off being a role player in New Orleans that was one of the most efficient receivers in the league during his time in New Orleans. So maybe some solid reasoning behind why they signed those two, but 
It's easy to sit here and criticize it now. I know. I'm, I'm armed with the results. At the time, they're not. But now that I'm sitting here armed with the results, what are they? Those two did jack squat all year long. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hardy never got off the ground on offense. Now, he got thrust into being the returner, and I don't think they signed him to be the returner. Naheem Hines was going to be this team's return man. Hardy was signed to play offense. He did a little bit. When he did, didn't work all that well. Did he have three good pass plays all year? Now, he didn't play a lot, but some of that was they did put him on the field early in the season, and there were mistakes and there weren't big plays. Remember, the was it the Jet game where he ran kind of a lazy corner route at the end? Oh, it was maybe the Bronco game where he ran a lazy corner route at the end of the half. Allen threw it to him. Probably a poor decision by Allen in the first place, but it was an easy pick in part because Hardy just kind of rounded his route. It wasn't, it wasn't tight the way it should have been. And it felt like from that play on, they didn't trust him to play offense all year unless they had to because of injury. And then you've got Sherfield, who's got the special teams, versatility, although I don't think they used him a ton that way. And he's got the blocking ability. He's got the versatility to play inside and outside. What was I left with? Time to make a play in the playoffs. I needed You needed one play. A ball that, yeah, you had to dive back for, deep down the field against Kansas City. It hit him in the bicep. Got to make that catch. Dawson Knox had one like that and. Caught it, no problem. Basically just fell into his yep. chest and held on to it. How about Trent Sherfield? Trent, I mean, Hardy, look at these two. Not a lot of money, so I don't want to go too far with it. But they're going to need to do a lot better. Because when they go for the one-year veteran minimum receiver guy. Veteran player because they need depth. They're going to have to do that again. They, they are going to need so much more than what those two provided. Those two on the season combined. Combined for 236 yards receiving. If I told you either one of them f- by themselves 
for the season was going to get 236 yards at the beginning of the year, you nobody would have taken that. You would have wanted more from both of them individually. Sherfield in particular. I mean, he played a role. He was on the field for more run-blocking snaps than pass-blocking snaps, but Trent Sherfield, he had 86 yards on the year playing 392 snaps. I mean, again, I know he's a role player, but come on, guy. You're not David Edwards. You're a wide receiver. Make a play once in a while. Get open once in a while. Get behind the defense for a broken coverage once in a while. Take take a short route for a few extra yards. Just where was anything from either one of those two guys? I wonder what yards per target would be or yards per route run would be for Sherfield. They just didn't get anything. And this year, I threw out Kendrick Bourne as an idea. That might cost a couple of million dollars. Um, we've mentioned Sterling Shepard of the Giants, although he was on a podcast the other day and hinted that he's probably going to retire. But the Bills this offseason, they, they hope they're going to draft a guy. We're confident, right? Fingers crossed. They're going to draft a guy high to play that position. They're going to bring back Diggs. They're going to bring back Shakir. And Shorter, I'm guessing, is going to be on this team. They'll give him a chance. They'll play him on special teams. He's really fast and big. Maybe he'll play his like, oh, special team guy, Gunner. And then, how many is that? That's four? You're going to need two other wide receivers. Basically, assuming they would cut Hardy and let Sherfield walk, they're going to need to do this again. Two, really cheap. Maybe a one or a two year contract, but you gotta go bargain bin. You gotta go. You gotta go into the clearance section of the wide receivers in the league, and you gotta find your diamonds in the rough. Even just to do a little bit. I don't need them catching eight hundred yards. Just need an impact once in a while. And part of my criticism for Bean for wide receiver in general is not just that they've ignored it in the draft. It's that when they went bargain bin, bargain bin shopping last offseason, they came away with two guys that did pretty much nothing for them. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's go to Mike on a cell phone. What's up, Mike? Hey, I, I get what you're saying about Hardy and Sherfield. My question, though, is, is this scheme-oriented? Is this Josh-oriented? Because, you know, you look at Gabe Davis, for example, in a 10-game span – he has four games where he's a superstar, mm-hmm. more than six catches, more than 86 yards, a touchdown in all four games, and then six games of that 10-game span where three games he doesn't get a catch, and the other three games he gets six catches combined. I, mm-hmm. I'm i just wondering if the, the intent to try to get Diggs involved in the offense this year was so prevalent – that that Josh became focused on Diggs and kind of mm-hmm. said, "I'm not, you know, I don't have confidence, or or I have to get the ball to to, to Stefan um, because that's how our offense works." And he just ignored these other guys. And I, you know, I get it. Sherfield dropped some passes at the end of the season and stuff like that, but they just rarely got thrown to whether they weren't open, mm-hmm. which I have a hard time believing that, you know, guys who have been open on other teams in, in other situations just can't get open. Um, 
you know, it's just a concern I have that, that Josh may have locked down on, on digs way too much this year and ignored players who might have been able to help us. Thanks, Mike, for the call. Um, I don't want to go with the digs point too far, maybe early in the year, but second half of the year they were throwing at Shakir all the time. They were throwing at Kincaid. They were throwing at James Cook for a certain stretch too. So I think Allen eventually picked his guys. And who'd he pick? I mean, maybe he did pick. He probably picked the right people. He picked Shakir. He picked Cook. He picked Kincaid. And he kept trying with Diggs, but it just didn't work. They never really picked Hardy. He's the only one I'd want to wonder about with scheme. Sherfield, I wouldn't. Sherfield was on the field, had chances, ran routes. Last year, out of 140 qualifying wide receivers in the league, What's the qualifier? I think that they got targeted at least 10 times. Let's see. Yeah, 10, minimum of 10 targets in the league last year. Really, it should be by route run. Um, out of 140 wide receivers, 20 targets, excuse me. So 140 receivers had, a, had 20 targets or more last year. Trent Sherfield ranked in yards per route run 140th. Dead last. There wasn't a single receiver that played the amount he did that had fewer yards per route run. I mean, you know, he had made some plays in Miami. He made some plays in San Francisco a couple years ago. Uh, he had plenty of chances to get open on this team, and it didn't happen. Versus Deontay Hardy. Hardy, again, I didn't see a lot that made me think he deserved being on the field more, but because of his skill set, his history being much more dynamic, much more explosive, which we are going to talk about a lot this year, the fact that he played about a third of the number of snaps that Sherfield played, I mean, that just speaks to they value the blocking, right? Because... I would have been more confident that Hardy is someone that you could scheme open, that you could get into ISO situations where he beats the corner one-on-one. Sherfield, not so much. So I'll listen to that as a question, but only really with Hardy, and I don't believe it enough to want to bring Hardy back next year. If I truly believed, hey, it was just coaching, there are other ways to get Hardy involved and make him a part of this offense, if I believe strongly enough in that, I wouldn't be so... Stop so strong, in my opinion, they should just cut bait, save the money they can. CJ in Buffalo is next. Hey, CJ. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Hey, um, I just want to get into the point. Like, do, how far set back do you think the Bills are? Like, did they set themselves back going with rookie offensive coordinator for one? And I'm not saying Ken Dorsey was a bad pick. I'm just talking about the time and the window that the Bills are in. Do you think they set themselves back grabbing a rookie OC when they did? Um, other than getting a talented or somebody that was already experienced and also putting weapons around Josh Allen um, to help him. Because I feel like we've been chasing a way to stop the Chiefs for too long, drafting Russo and Boogie Basham back-to-back and, you know, always getting corners. And, like, we're always trying to chase them defensively. Let's stop them, stop them, as opposed to loading up and giving your quarterback everything he needs uh, as opposed to getting older guys, John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, those type of things. I, I do think the Bills set themselves back too much. Um, 
And offensively, it kind of hurts because wide receiver, the OC, and the quarterback all have to work. They, they, they work together. You know, your offensive coordinator can work around certain things, like throwing a ball short like we did all year. And it, it kind of hurt us to the point where you had to get rid of Condorcy because mm-hmm. we, we, all we can do is throw short. You know, I, I do think we need that explosive play because you have an explosive quarterback that can also work beyond the scheme. You know, if a play breaks down, the defense has to account for Josh Allen as well. But mm-hmm. you make it easy for them to stop us. Same conversation you had with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we, we can stop everybody and just work on you. You know, why don't you just use that to your benefit is what I'm saying. So how much do you think that hurt the Bills not getting an offensive coordinator? Was that a setback? I, I don't think, CJ, for the call. I don't think it was a setback. I think they are in really good shape to bounce right back offensively next year. Think about it this way. They draft a receiver in the first round, and that player is really good. Let's just assume that player is really good. The hit rate's like 70% on first-round receivers. So let's assume, hey, we assume Michael Badgley for the Lions would have hit a 48-yard field goal, and that was 70%. So I'm going to feel safe in assuming that they would have they'll hit on a receiver pick. If they do that, I think they got everything. I don't think it has to set them back years. They've got a good, a very good offensive line that's together again. They've got Allen. They've got two really good tight ends. Kincaid coming into his own is going to help, I think, even more. And receiver-wise, I'll feel good about where they are, at least with the starters. Depth-wise, they'll have work to do still, but the rookie, Diggs, and Shakir, with Cook in the backfield, I'm good. And I know your question was about the coordinator. I have confidence in Brady. I don't think we got to see what a Brady offense will look like. I thought we got to see what Brady's response is to fixing a Dorsey offense. You give him a whole offseason and in eight months to plan what his offense is going to look like, I think it's going to look different. And he was experienced. Maybe not as much as some guy has been calling plays in the league for 20 years, but Brady had almost two full years, almost two. He got fired in December of 21 almost two full years as the offensive coordinator in Carolina, and before that was a coordinator for the greatest college football team we've ever seen. So he's young. He's not the most experienced in the world. Ken Dorsey was a first-time play caller. Joe Brady was not. So they did go – they did improve in terms of their uh, experience. So, no, I don't think it has to set them back. I think they lost because of it to the Chiefs. But I don't think that has to mean it sets them back in the future. Good question, though. Time out here. We'll get to some hockey. Jason Moser from PuckLuck.com, BuffaloHockeyBeat.com as well. I want to reach out to Jason. Wanted to reach out because he wrote about an idea that I've been thinking about a lot in the last couple of days. The Sabres trading for a top prospect at a position that just makes too much sense for them to not try to flip something here. And give us any movement, any pulse. Jason will join us next. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. 
See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.